Welcome to the World Harvest Church podcast channel. We hope you enjoyed this message. Father, how wonderful and how great are you is your plan. Also for us is your word to us. It's the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. And that path, your word says, grows brighter and brighter. And so, Father, this morning we have come to see what our eyes haven't seen and hear what our ears need to hear and have revealed to us all that you have for us. We say there's a fresh, new, and extraordinary hunger for your word and to know you and the power of your resurrection upon this congregation. Father, we lift our expectancy up to you this morning. And we say we're ready to receive all that you have for us. We're teachable, we're hungry, we're humble before your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. We, uh, we want to let you know uh, that the book of this, for this month, uh, last month we had Pastor Nancy's book on love. Uh, the way to, uh, no, hers is love, the great quest, and this one is love, the way to victory. Dad Hagen's book, this is one of my most favorite books. Uh, if you don't have it, uh, please go out and get this. Uh, everything that the title says is true. Love is the way to victory. Faith works by love. And so uh, if you can't perfect and, and develop your love, we call it a love walk. And I like the term, and I, I was meditating on that one day. Why do we say love walk? But what do you do every day to get somewhere? You walk. Uh, it's step after step. Do you ever think about walking? No. You just do it, right? Just do it. Just get up and take step. We've, I've got to get out of bed and to be able to do what I need to do, I've got to walk to go get ready to go somewhere to be productive. So a walk is something that you do, but you don't think about. This is the flow of love, how it should be. It's something we do, and we don't have to get into the legalism of thinking about it. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I gotta be patient, I gotta be patient. If you're always hyping yourself up to be patient, that's, you know, that's like how the law was. There's a place in God and a place and a flow with God that it's as walking, it's just a flow out of your life and you catch yourself. You, you, it's more of a flow of patience and kindness uh, than it would be to have to keep yourself under control. If you're working harder to keep your flesh under control, then it's easier to flow in, in love than we, we're not full enough of it yet. Does that make sense? If the effort is made, if that, like, that grit effort is made to try to walk in love, that's not the way God intended it for it to be. There's supposed to be a flow in our lives. And the more we meditate on the word, on these things, the easier that flow will become. Uh, when we're struggling with love, it's simply an unrenewed mind. The mind is the lid on the flow that should be coming out of your spirit. So if there's a flow that God has that he's put in you and that you find it's not easily flowing out, there's only one thing holding that back and that's the lid of your thought life. So we've got to take and do something with our minds in order for what's in our spirit to be able to flow out freely. So that's why for two months in a row, I wanted us to be able to meditate on this subject of love. And uh, I was going to continue on something I'd started 
Last week, I'd preached last week, and then I had ministered again uh, on it more extensively in Merced, and there was more that came out, and I wanted to minister that here. But um, that is not for today, probably next week. Uh, so today, the Spirit of God had something very, very specific uh, to bring, and it really goes, it's all in this, it, there's a very similar thread to the last uh, probably four or five weeks of ministering the things that the Spirit of God has had me to minister. And I pulled out the most wonderful, precious, amazing book that we have not read in quite some time. And we're going to just die right in today as a family. Can we have a family meeting this morning? Okay, okay. So my husband loves to have family meetings. You don't picture him like, he does. Doctor liked to do staff meetings and everyone would just be like, oh my gosh, we're gonna have a staff meeting. And all he wanted to do was have lunch and tell everybody what a good job they were doing. <laughs> it was Pastor Nancy's staff meetings that were the heavy, not doctors. And so my husband started calling these kids got over. He said, I wanna have a family meeting. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, like clean up the house. Like, we're, like we gotta get our lives in order. And we would sit down and he'd say, why don't we all say something good about <laughs> Bubby? <laughs> so we would all say something good. <laughs> so it's always these really like encouraging, positive, I don't even know where he is, and, and positive meetings. And, you know, we all breathe this sigh of relief at our family meetings because it's, um, he's wanting to, all of us to get together. And, you know, he's the one is like, we're going to. He told him, nobody's going anywhere tonight. We're doing Christmas movie and hot chocolate. And he's very, very sentimental and um, making memories. So just a little, little insight there into his personality that probably many don't. Remember, he's the one who wanted to do a church fellowship. So, uh, so yes. Yeah. So this morning, we're having a family meeting. But you might would rather him do the family meeting than me do the family meeting. But if we're going somewhere together, right, that's the whole goal is that we get somewhere successfully together in unity. I, I don't wish that some make it and some fall or the word fall by the wayside in someone's life or the word get choked out. It says they were offended for the word's sake because it fell on stony ground and that word that was sown every week continues to get choked out by those rocks and the hardened heart. The one thing that hardens our heart the most is offense. And so this morning we're gonna talk about offense, what it looks like, what it sounds like. We've got examples in the scripture and how damaging it is and how disruptive it is, but also how ah, it's very sneaky. Um, and I found out actually with this book, uh, I don't even know how we got on this subject. I was talking to Miss Renee Mize. We, we will talk on the phone and have such a wonderful time. And I found out this woman who did, wrote this book is one of her closest friends. I was like, I want a signed copy, you know? <laughs> so she, she really focused in children's ministry and had this book. This was a book, if you don't know, that my mother had when I was growing up. And uh, when I would be disciplined and, and you could see that there was a... Um, she said, uh, I, I would, she would discipline me, and I remember this so vividly. 
um, that temptation to hold that grudge and to become offended at the discipline that she brought. And so she would discipline, but instead of trying to just correct, she would pull this book out and she'd say, why don't you go read this book and, and we'll read it this morning. It's very short by the end of the book, you know, that, that as it talks about in the book, the washing of the water of the word would wash that, that temptation to be offended or upset uh, and recognizing that the goodness of God and the love of God in my life is that discipline and correction. So this book is not just for children. Uh, in fact, it will have quite an impact. There's an anointing on the book. Uh, and it left such a, a mark on my life that I still, those scriptures will still rise up when that temptation to be offended or, or be bitter uh, come up. And so this morning, I'd like for us to start in Luke, if you would with me. Can I give you... Um, some definitions of offense and offended. And you know, these things apply also, not just to, to us here. I want us to first apply them to us as a church family, but also to where you work, those people that you are with. I would dare say that when someone's rude to you in public, uh, the temptation to be offended with them isn't, isn't there. In that sense, you may get upset and impatient and frustrated, but offense is when you've got, you're going to have to face that every day. Offense is, is something that lives with you. It's not a moment. Does that make sense? So um, we, we can guard against being um, easily offended, eat touchy. Uh, the Bible says, love is not touchy or resentful. Though both those words say touchy, say resentful. Both of those are associated with being offended. Touchy and resentful. First place, of course, this starts is in the home. Second place is in the church. God is so good. When I moved here, I did not have, there was nobody really here that was um, our age, mine and Stephen's age. We didn't have any like fellowship our age until the Bible school started and we were like, whoa, <laughs> we just kind of hung out with doctor and pastor and, and the staff. Uh, and my, I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, the first person I met was Miss Jennifer Stickelman, and uh, of course she was a little older than I was, and then, then the next person I really got to know was a woman with six kids who was wild as a hare and uh, ran everything around here, and I'm thinking to myself, this, from the desert, you know, Mexican woman from the desert, I'm, we have nothing in common in our lives, and yet became so close so quickly. Why? Because there was a hunger, and a common um, desire for the will of God. Only God can bring this diverse group of people together that you would not on your own, right, seek out and say, yeah, they're going to be fun fellowship for me. What do we do? We tend to, to find people who are more like us, similar backgrounds, career choices, uh, ways of life, uh, types of food. I mean, let's, let's face it. You know, you tend to gravitate towards those who have the same appetite as you. <laughs> uh, they, we we will, um, will find those who understand maybe where we're from, where we've been, where, where we want to go, our goals in life. But all of us, if we sat down and talked to one another, are so different that only God and his love for humanity 
would bring us together, bring you and I together who are so different and from such a different, and so I thought in, in my own journey here and when God brought me here that I found this woman with six kids and liked beans and rice and I didn't grow up eating the things, I mean, you know, she exposed me to this whole new world and this whole new level of energy that I had never seen before in one human being. And I loved it and, and how could that happen but if it not for the love of God? and what God is trying to do in me and in you, and yet the devil's trying to do something as well. So that same beauty of difference between us and bringing us together is the very same thing that the devil will try to use and work to divide us. So we, we're, we're gonna guard against that. We're gonna protect against that. And the only way to do that is to renew our minds. Okay, do you wanna know the definition of offense? I looked up offense, okay? There was three things, they were all different. It says it, it was a, you can help me this, it says it was a noun, but everything I saw described a, an action. So I'm just gonna go with, this is an act, the, the action that I would like, it's a noun, thank you. Um, yeah, it depends on how you use it. But I see it as, in our context, it's always gonna be a noun. When you're offended, that's an action, okay? Uh, yeah, you're acting. So we're gonna look at the definition of offended. We're, gonna, we're just gonna come at it. We're gonna slice it always. Okay, number one, offense. The primary that applies to this context is, the first word is annoyance. That would not apply to anybody in here. Annoyance. It gets a little heavier after that. Annoyance or resentment brought about, now listen, this is where we're gonna really, really dive into. Annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived. Perceived. This is not God's definition, this is man's definition. By a perceived insult to or disregard for oneself or one's standards or principle. Offense is simply a perceived insult or disregard that somebody else showed you. You see that? Perceived. So if you wanna write down something that's most important, write down perceive. Perceive. Children, and we'll look at the book, children get offended by something done to them. Adults get offended by what they think was done to them. It's the difference between adults and children. Children don't know to be offended and read into people's actions until adults teach them. They don't know that. They only get upset when somebody took my toy. Somebody said something mean to me. Somebody you know, spilled something on my clothes or broke my video game controller, whatever. Children are not born with a nature of offense. They're born with the nature of God. As they grow and develop and come into that, that time where they need to have received Jesus, that um, period in their life, uh, and they recognize good from bad and they receive Jesus, uh, even then, adults 
parents, we're responsible for what we teach our children. They don't know to be offended unless something is done. But adults, and as we grow, we start thinking we're smarter and we will read and perceive what they meant. Try to perceive what was actually said. Try to read into what somebody did. Right? This happens in marriage all the time. Well, you meant, <laughs> no, I didn't mean, I said, and what I meant was, why? Because from your mouth to their ear, something happened. This is where the devil gets in. From their mouth to your ear, something gets twisted. And when you don't have right thinking, it's received. When you think right, it's not, there's no place uh, no open door for that wrong thought to land, that perception to land. Do we see that? Okay, so this is just a dictionary definition. Annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult. You perceive that they, they were trying to insult you or disregard for yourself, your standards, your principle. Now, the definition, that's the definition of, one of the definitions of offense. What about the definition of offended? Feeling or expressing hurt, indignation, or irritation. Here we go. Because of a perceived wrong or insult. Notice it puts it back on the person who's offended. It never, neither one of these definitions puts the responsibility on the one who said or did something. It's the one who perceived it as such. Um, so we could almost say offended is a state of being, but it's also a concept with which you choose to either accept or reject. I reject this concept of perceiving that people are out to get me. People are, are, are offended with me. People are talking about me. People don't like me. That's a perception we take on, a concept we take on that doesn't mean it's true or not true. You just perceive things that way or you think you perceive things and the devil will always help your wrong perception. If you go into it with a wrong perception, he will aid and enhance. That is his time to shine. <laughs> uh, but isn't that interesting? It's a perceived, perceived. Okay, Luke chapter 10. Praise the Lord. Go to Luke chapter 10. How about Mary and Martha? Woo! Mary and Martha. There's so much to get out of this, uh, this story, but I'm gonna bring out one thing this morning, but it's not the totality of this. Nor am I marking Martha as a permanently offended person in the Bible, okay? But we can see here in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, now it came to pass as they went that he entered a certain village, I met Jesus, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. 
And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was cumbered about by much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about by many, about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I'd like to read that out of the Amplified class. And it says, now while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village and a woman named Martha received and welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me to lend a hand and to do her part along with me. He says, but the Lord replied to her by saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. There is need of only one or but a few things. Mary has chosen the good portion that which is to her advantage, which shall not be taken away from her. So I like to look at the root of Martha, her offense is not really with Mary, and it's not without her house needed to be clean or things need to be done. It never said that Mary didn't get up when Jesus was done and begin to serve. Never said that. Never said that Mary wasn't interested in serving. Mary wasn't interested in helping. She chose the right thing. Mary was guarding her heart. Martha, according to Jesus, he read her mail, and he said, it's not about serving. You're anxious about a lot of things. I can see clearly from this passage that the, one of the biggest open doors to offense is carrying cares and anxiety. Oftentimes the root of being offended with somebody is that you're worried and anxious about your own life. So we're quick to judge somebody else's because we're not in peace about our own life. He said, you're anxious about many things. He didn't say about this thing. He said many things. Oftentimes, and we're trying to walk in love and we want to do right and we are just struggling with a person, we need to go back and examine and ask ourselves, is the root of this offense because I'm really worried and anxious about something in my own life? And that anxiousness, that lack of casting that care and total reliance and fellowship with God is affecting because somebody, I perceive that somebody else is getting something that I'm not getting. They're walking in a place that I'm not walking in. They're living in a place. They're receiving of something that I don't have. This is what she couldn't comprehend and why she was offended. It wasn't the serving is that Mary was at peace. She was upset that Mary was at such a place of peace that she could sit down and Martha was trying to outwork her anxiety. You cannot outwork anxiety. You need to deal with that with the word of God, cast that care. Why? She was already in sin before she was ever offended. Why do we get offended with people? Maybe. We need to not examine how we need to better like that person. We need to look at how are we not depending and relying and walking in a place with the spirit, with the, the, the fellowship with God that we need to be walking in. Could it be 
that we're already in a place of sin and offense is reaching us because I'm in sin because I will not give up that care. I will not let go of that worry and I will not renew my mind to the word of God that answers that problem. And the devil never wants us to identify accurately where the real issue is. He never wants us for our eyes to see what's really going on. It's why he's called a deceiver. He's a deceiver. I love something Brother Tony said uh, to somebody one time, and we've heard this before, and uh, I always guard myself with this. Uh, It was years ago, and he said, uh, the deceived person is the last one to know it. Everyone around can see when, when, when they're deceived. Did you know offense is the same way? When you're offended, people can perceive it, they can sense it, they can feel it. Why? It's a spirit. And what happens is, is people will sense that, that offense, that touchiness, that resentfulness, and they'll begin unconsciously, those that are sensitive, they'll begin to pull away. And then there's a temptation for more offense because people are pulling away from me. You don't realize and you don't understand that the reason people are pulling away is because they sense they love you, but they can sense what's on you. The sensitivity and the hunger there. I'm talking about, we're just taking this in as a family this morning, right? I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to anybody. We have, you just getting, we want to come into the fullness of all God has. And there's so much that's in the word that we can see. And as I sit and I was telling God, as I meditate and I, I feed on the things that he has for us and where we're going and just begin to get more revelation of uh, uh, the, the increase and the blessing uh, and meditating on the words that were said over this congregation. And I go, God, there's just so much. How do I teach it? And he keeps going back. Just we've got to keep dealing with these things so we can get there. So that when we uh, are moving forward, the wheels don't fall off. <laughs> right? Talking about the wheels, you know, coming on, or offense will cause you to fall off the tracks and you didn't know how you even got there. Amen? All right. How about a third one, or a second one? How about Acts chapter 6? Acts chapter 6. One of my favorite passages. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. It says here, now about this time, in the Amplified, I want to say this. Now about this time when the number of disciples was greatly increasing, complaint was made by the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews, against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked and neglected in the daily administration distribution of relief. So the 12 apostles convened the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not seemly or desirable or right that we should have to give up or neglect preaching the word of God in order to attend to serving at tables and superintending the distribution of food. Therefore, select out from among yourselves, brethren, seven men of good and attested character and repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may assign to look after this business and duty. 
but we will continue to devote ourselves steadfastly to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the suggestion pleased the whole assembly and they selected Stephen, a man full of faith, strong and welcome belief that Jesus is the Messiah and full and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And Philip uh, and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and everybody else's name and the pros, uh, proselyte convert from Antioch and they presented to the apostles who after prayer laid their hands on them and the message of God kept on spreading and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and besides a large number of the priests were obedient to the faith in Jesus as the King Messiah through whom is attained eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. And then I like verse eight because it talks about Stephen. So, to my husband was named after. So these are the things I, I say over him every day, the description of Stephen. I speak over the, those things. When God told his dad to name him that, there was a reason for that. So uh, Acts chapter six, uh, it looked like there was a neglect of one group over another. And notice at the time of increase, at the time of increase, at a season of increase, at a time of increase, in every way, but especially in people. Notice again, just like the last example, what did the devil do? He's going to have to come in and divide the people to stop the increase of people. So where was the division? Over family, ethnicity? We could say nowadays gender. Something about me is different than something about you and I'm being treated different because something about me is different than something about you. And they said, hold up. We have too much increase and we're not stopping the in. Offense always stops increase. Always. Always. Be it in your marriage um, continually be a, being offended with your spouse, you know, just nitpicking and just, you know, these things. That's a, that is, it really can turn into a significant offense if we don't deal with the, the little things. The little foxes that spoil the vine. Little foxes. And so what happens is, is this great emphasis now on these, these Greek Hebrew speaking Hebrews and these people over here, who knows if they look different. I'm not, I'm not in on all of that. I'm no, I'd have to ask Rick Renner. I don't even know if they look different. I just know they talk somewhere along the way. They talk different, a little bit different. And this person felt like their, their widows were being mistreated. And these people felt like their widows were being mistreated. And they said, we're going to select men, seven men, who have a good and honest report. Their character is known by all, right? They're, they're seen, their character is recognized uh, as being above, you know, above all of this. Yeah, and they're full of the Holy Ghost. And we're gonna select these men because we know that in order to take care of their offense, we need to show the love of God. This is what helps with offense, taking care of offense is the love of God, the continuation. But you wanna know something? You have to receive the love that people show you. If you're struggling with something and you recognize people are reaching out to you, and you keep rejecting that reach, what did they have to do to get past the offense? They had to receive the help that those seven men were gonna bring and not hold on to. Well, you remember that one time we felt like our widows were neglected? Well, you let it happen. 
Well, it did happen. Or you could set aside the perception. I'm just wondering, I always wondered, was it happening because there was so much growth going on and there was a little bit of disorganization, right? And because of the growth, they needed to implement a little bit of organization. And when the organization came in, they realized nobody was really being neglected. We just grew so fast. There wasn't a neglect, but... uh, uh, Something needed to be implemented. I mean, that's how I see it. Why? Because nobody really was fussing and fighting after that. It says right after that, increase kept flowing. So these are the things. This really hits home for us right now. With the increase that's coming to you, the increase we're believing for, for your businesses, your home, your families, the increase coming to Defray Ministries, we've got to look at and go, you know what? I feel like something over here isn't as I serve or as I'm working, something seems to be neglected. Maybe it's not a neglect. Maybe there's just some things that are working out, you know, shifting, moving, and we're going to have to work together, right, and guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. I need my issues to be right. <laughs> right issues, not wrong issues. How about we have right issues flowing from us, not creating issues? Oh, right? When I have good, I want to, I want to, I want to solve issues, not create them. Amen. Okay, go to John chapter six, just like Dad Hagen. I'll give you three. I'll give you three. John chapter six. And I like these in the, in the New Testament. I was thinking about going and talking about, uh, you know, one of the best examples is Lot and Abraham. We know how that ended up. Okay. If you don't know, Lot, his... His workers were offended with Abraham's workers, and Lot said, I'm not wor- it's not worth it to me to give up any of my stuff or my offended workers, so I'm going to leave the place where Jesus and, or where God has, has brought me and taught me and increased me. I'll go my own way because it looks really good over in that direction. I'll head that direction, uh, leave my man, leave my place, leave my time of visitation because after all, I think I can make it on my own now. I have enough. That's what he thought, that he had accumulated enough to do it on his own. When he forgot that all that he had accumulated came from one place, Abraham. The blessing on Abraham. Okay, so he leaves, he goes, and before you know it, he's, he's lost his children, he's lost his wife, he's lost everything, and, and Abraham is dragging him out by his hair, out of town, saying, you need, we gotta get your life together because you have nothing. And then the whole city's destroyed. But he had been living so far in the filth of sin. And as my husband, he was, he was talking about, well, I ain't gonna go into those seven sins because you can go to Ezekiel and look at the seven things that were going on in Sodom. And, and the first one was pride. That was one of the first ones. So anyway, we'll leave that there, pride. So John chapter six, and we, we, we've seen this. Verse 60 Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, I'm not going to read all that they had heard, but Jesus was uh, teaching, and they, they hear this teaching, and, and this is what I like. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? <laughs> it's too hard to do. The word was preached. 
stony ground, there's stony ground in their heart, and they said, this is too hard. Don't ever walk out of here thinking, that's too hard. Don't ever listen to somebody minister and immediately put up a wall and go, I could never have that. I can't do that. I can't, I can't receive that. I can't walk in that. So this is too hard. Who can, who can hear it? Not just who can do it, who can even hear it? They were offended even at the hearing. Not the doing, the hearing. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples <clears throat> murmured at it, he said to them, doth this offend you? What it, thank God we don't, we don't do that today. Right? Like we don't get done and then pastor, we all go, are you offended? Raise your hand. I mean, he's asking them, does this offend you? Like who's gonna respond back? Thank God he kept talking. Is that a rhetorical question? Does this offend you? What? If ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the spirit that quicketh, quickeneth, the flesh proveth, <clears throat> profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believe not, and who should betray him. And he said, therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the 12, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you 12, and one of you is a devil? He spake, spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it, he it was that should betray him, being one of the 12. The Amplified reads in this one part, it says here, after this, many of his disciples, verse 66, drew back, returned to their old associations, and no longer accompanied him. Jesus said to the 12, will you also go away? Look at this. And do you too desire to leave me? That desire didn't show up. Desire doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Like in an instant. When you have a desire for something, it's because it's been fed. Um, I've never had, I've never had, let's just say, I, I, I've never had Indian food, never had it from India, never had Indian food. I don't desire Indian food because I've never had Indian food. There's absolutely no desire in me for that or the result thereof yeah. from Indian food. I do desire, I love and desire soul food, Cuban food, right? Fried chicken. I, I want those things because why? I've had those before. So there's always a desire, always. Um, he says, do you desire to go away? That means at some point they had tasted that temptation had come, that opportunity had come. And he said to them, do you too desire to leave me? That desire comes to everybody to leave the place where God has put them. Don't ever think and don't ever let your guard down that God uh, is not aware that that desire is always showing up and always coming to get you away from where he's put you. And he can't, you can't call it desire if they hadn't tasted of it yet. 
They knew. So apparently things had been said before that were a little difficult. As we would say, a little hard to stomach. And he knew and he perceived what was going on. So some of them said, that's it, that's the last straw, I'm out of here. And he, Peter stood up, thank God, and said, where will we go? We have to live with that motto, where will we go? And not only where will we go, but if we go, what will become of us? If we go that way of lot, what will become of us? And when it comes to people in our lives, and those, you say, well, they legitimately did something. They legitimately said something. First of all, I always ask, did they? Did you hear them? If you can't answer yes, you, it's, a, it's a, we're done with that. If you did not hear the words that came out of their mouth, you don't know. You don't know. Well, the person who told me is really trustworthy. I don't trust people. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm talking about... I do, we, we trust you know, our staff, there's, there's, I'm just talking about for my spiritual life, I don't trust anybody but the word of God Amen. and my pastor, that's it. You know, those who speak into my life. So if they, well, they said it, well, did you hear? No, I didn't hear, okay. This is the predicament we're facing today in today's society. Anything can be on social media, the news, and 95% of it isn't true, isn't real. We said that last week. People believe every financial opportunity that posts up on their Instagram as to making $500,000 a year. Now you can have a Ferrari and all this stuff. Please DM me. I'll give you the info. Remember we talked about that? And people are like, yes, at one hearing. Yes, DM. Send me info, you know. Post millionaire in the comment below and I'll send you. <laughs> Oh, come on. You know, I'm, I'm not making fun. I'm just saying at the one hearing, you're like, that's got to be true. That person, that has got to be their car, their house. And you believe everything in a 50-second reel that you just saw. We've got to stop that. We've got to get our minds. Discipline, discipline, discipline. Dis when your mind is full of the word of God, you don't have time for he said, she said, here say, this say, go, you know, whatever. You ain't got time for that. As we say in our household, and I tell our kids, we're believing for too much for that kind of talk. It's just how we answer it. Well, we are believing for too much for that kind of talk. I, I cannot afford that. But what if they did? What if they did? What if you got into it? What if they said something? What if they did something? What if it's not even somebody here? What if it's somebody out there? What if they did? This is what I like to go back to. It's me personally, you don't have to. But I look at Jesus, and he knew the one who would betray him, the one who would doubt him, and the one who would deny him. And what did he do? He still kept them close. He still loved them. He still gave them a chance. Well, they didn't act like Jesus. Okay. And do you always? We want other people to act like Jesus and us be able to act like Peter. And you know what I mean? So what are you gonna do? Be offended? Jesus was never offended with any one of those three. Never. In fact, he was so good to, to Judas, he said, whatever you're gonna do, you go and do it quickly. 
He gave him an out. So good to let him at his words be dismissed with kindness, really. It was a kindness to him so that Judas didn't have to find a place to sneak off. And he knew Thomas would doubt. He knew it. But what did he do? He just kept pouring the word, just kept teaching the word, just kept bringing him along, kept feeding him, kept loving him, kept helping him, kept him close, didn't, didn't even when he knew. He knew he was going to betray, you know, reject him and say, yeah, I ain't going to be real. He knew that. And he knew Peter would deny him three times. And what did he do? He still took him to that garden, that, that prayer in the garden. How, what an example. What a precious example that is to us. That even when somebody, he already knew it was gonna happen and yet he still, he still kept him close. What if somebody's done something to you? What if something maybe did say something to hurt your feelings or you, you seem to be offended? What are you gonna do? You gonna cut him out of your life? Well, that always helps. That always, makes, that always makes us feel better, doesn't it? To sit at home and think about how we're going to cut them out. All the ways we can cut them out of our lives. Can't, can't invite them here. Can't do this with them. You know, I'm going to go change serving in a different department because I'm going to protect my love walk. No, no, no. We are a family. And I don't let my kids eat at a different dinner table and go do a different chore because they're upset with another kid. This is a family. And we have to get over it and work together. And I would expect somebody to do that with me. I love what Pastor Pastor says. You, I don't expect perfection out of you. You don't expect perfection out of me. What about for one another? Each other. Amen? So are we ready to read our book? Okay, let's do it. And we'll close with this. It's called <clears throat> Don't Hug a Grudge. Can you see that? My favorite thing to do as a kid was go do story time at the library. We had a little... We laughing at Ken. Is that your favorite? Yeah, he said that's the best. Yes, that is the best. I did. I love story time at the library. Miss Martha was her name. And she was our librarian. And I found out like maybe a couple years ago she was still alive. And I was like, golly, I thought she was old when I was it's amazing how when you're little, everybody seems so much older than they are. I'm like, I must look ancient to the kids on Kids in Bay. They're like, wow. So anyway, I'm just cracking myself up. Okay. Uh, it says, grudges wear disguises that appear quite small and harmless. Okay, here we are. See that? There we go. Grudges were disguises that appear small and harmless. This says, and put it up there. I'm sorry I broke your skate. A grudge wants to belong to you. So here she has broken his skate and he has to make a choice what he's gonna do here. He's either gonna forgive her or here's a grudge, a real small grudge right here waiting, waiting to see what he's gonna decide. What is that in your thought life? Devil's waiting to see what decision you make with your thought life. And it says here, holding a grudge, nursing a grudge, grudges like to be held. See that? Grudges like to be held. 
Here we are. Grudge is especially like people who don't forgive quickly. Oh, so they're looking. They're looking. Just like God's looking to bless, the devil is looking for those who will receive. She wrecks everything of mine all the time. This is what he's saying to himself. You know them. It says here, you know grudges. Talking about you know them by their complaining about people. Ooh, praise him. Are we receiving it today? Okay. It's not that I, I still read this like to myself. Okay. So just so you know, it says yum, anger. He's just feeding angry thoughts. It says grudges must have angry, hateful thoughts to make them grow. So you, the thoughts you you feed on is whether or not that grudge is going to be received and whether it's also going to grow. A grudge needs you to agree with it. I'll never forget what she did to me and I'll never, uh, and then the grudge says, and I'll never let him forget, forget it. So as you're saying, I'll never forget that, that grudge you're holding on to is going, yeah, I'll make sure of that. I don't ever want to find myself fellowshipping with that kind of spirit. When a grudge is small, you can pick it up and put it down. But if you keep it, it will only get larger and stronger. Look at that. It's lifting anger. God's word says, I'm sorry I broke your skates. It's okay. Dad can fix it. Be quick to forgive because nursing a grudge is a sin Wash it with the water of the word. Ephesians 4, 26, verse 27. If you are angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. Don't let the sun go down with you still angry. Get over it quickly. For when you are angry, you will give a mighty foothold to the devil. Look at this. I love this. This is answer it before it was answer it. <laughs> don't hug a grudge. He says no, because a grudge grows up to be Resentment. You cannot hold resentment because resentment holds you. So now something you can pick up and put down quickly and use the word quickly. Now something else holds on to you, not you holding on to it. it says, she'll hurt me. What is this? Perceived plans. I'll make plans to get her back. Resentment wants to get even. It says, laugh out of this uh, bag down here. Resentment is feeding. Don't talk to her. Laugh at her. This says hard words. Resentment makes you become unfriendly to those you should love. Can we sit on that for a minute? Resentment makes you become unfriendly to those that you should love. Say it again. Resentment, resentment. makes you become unfriendly to those that you should love. God's word says, be kind and tender-hearted, because resentment is a sin. Wash with the water of the word. It says in Ephesians 4, 31, 32, stop being mean, bad-tempered, and angry. Quarreling harsh words and dislike of others should have no place in your life. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. So there's our instruction, quick to forgive because we were quick, quick, quick to be forgiven. God loves you. 
but he hates grudges, resentment, and look at this, bitterness. Bitterness shows up last because its root grows deepest. Bitterness pulls you away from God. That's the end result of offense, is to be pulled away from God. It's not about a person, it's about him. It's not about somebody that you disagree with or something that happened between somebody, it's about him. Bitterness squeezes your mind and makes you sick with hate. I'll break her toys. Bitterness makes you hurt others with angry words and hateful actions. God's word says, love your neighbor as yourself because bitterness is a sin. Wash with the water of the word. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. That's Hebrews 12, 15. Galatians 5, 14. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love others as you love yourself. So give yourselves humbly to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen? Amen. And uh, I think my kid tore out the last page. <laughs> it's missing. It was the brother and the sister together or the friends together. <laughs> Who knows? Probably Nanny Cake. She'll like take stuff and craft and it was probably her doing something with it. Um, in a good way, in a good way. So I think, do we have that book still out there? Do we have copies? Are we out of them? I know we, we did this a few years ago. We went through this. There's some. And we can always order more. That's such a good book. I love it every time the repeat, the washing of the water of the word. And it gives scripture. And I remember as a child reading through that. And as by the end of the book, you could feel the, the love of God because you read the word and you're meditating on the word. And you see what happens to yourself or somebody, as you allow a grudge, a small thought against somebody, what it becomes. And you say, I don't want to be controlled by that. I don't want that to run my life. I don't want that to ruin my life. More importantly, I don't want that to take, that to take me away from where God has put me. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this morning, we're going to receive, uh, we're doing communion or no? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see the table. We're doing a new thing. Okay. He does a new thing. Got it. Um, we're going to do communion this morning. And I think it's quite fitting uh, with this message that we can, with communion, uh, examine ourselves. How many of you say it'd be a good time to examine ourselves? Really good time. A, examining uh, a grudge, bitterness, resentment. Have, has something been allowed to grow? And is something stealing the hunger that you once had for God? because it's consuming. What about maybe you realize, I'm, I'm really walking in sin and not in a very obvious way. I'm so full of care and anxiety that I take that out on other people. I've got to cast some things over to God. It is really hurting my life and causing me, me to be an unpleasant person because I'm worried and anxious all the time. And, and because I'm not settled, I'm judging other people. Amen. What about being harsh and critical of other people because of something they're not doing or something they should be doing? We, we want to find ourselves in fellowship with the Father so much that we talk like Him, we look like Him, we sound like Him. Amen.
So as Grant sings this morning, can we examine ourselves in that? All right, go ahead. In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified in my life, Lord, be glorified this morning I'll read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 says for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and we given thanks he brake it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me Jesus we honor you we not only remember you but we live for you and we serve you and we thank you for the body that you gave up so that ours could be whole. Amen. Verse 25, after the same manner also he took the cup and when he had supped saying, this cup is the new testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember and honor him this morning. Hallelujah. Father, your word is so good to us. We receive it with thanksgiving. And 
a heart of gratitude that we can be changed. It's your word that changes us into the best version of ourselves, the version that you've created us to be, the people you've created us to be. Let us be changed, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, we've got those of you who hadn't gotten that book. We have, we have many who are new here. If you want that book, that's out there. And uh, also this book, Love, The Way to Victory by Dad Hagen. And uh, tonight, don't forget, we do not have prayer tonight, but we'll have service uh, this Tuesday. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I, I don't, I'm, I think he's already in town, uh, but uh, Pastor Craig Field will be here this week in the Bible school. And I asked him to minister Tuesday night, so he'll be here. You don't want to miss that service. He'll be here ministering to us. If you haven't heard him, um, haven't heard him minister, my goodness, once he gets some eyes closed, that's it. <laughs> my husband says, he preaches with his eyes closed, said, he's going hard at it. You got to... So uh, if you haven't heard it, he's a favorite around here. So he'll be here Tuesday night. Uh, we'll all be here to receive what God has for us from him. Amen. Thank you for joining us. To learn more about World Harvest Church, please visit our website at defrainministries.org.